Heavenly Father, once again, we come to you this week grateful for this passage reminding us that you are the risen Lord. And though we've heard it many, many times, we ask that you would turn the diamond of your scripture and reveal to us in a refreshing way who you are, Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, that you would take our thoughts now, think through them. Take my lips and speak through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own and take every single one of our hearts and set them on fire with love for you and for your son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You know, it's common in the Christian experience in life that you get to a point in your walk with the Lord through various circumstances, both high and low, and you ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? How, how shall I live? I don't know what to do right now. In today's reading, that's the question that we're asking here at Christ Church. And Jesus is showing us what the church is supposed to be. He's also showing us why we'll never do it. And third, he shows us how it's possible through him how to do it. So I invite you to open up with me in your Bibles to John 21. If you're visiting with us, you'll find it in the back of your bulletin. Number one, what we should be. Two, why we never do it. Three, why in him we can do it. So first, what's the church called to be is the question that we have before us. We've all heard this story before, you know, fish breakfast by the sea, lots of titles like that, right? But what Jesus is doing here is different than what he's done with these disciples in the past. You remember that when Jesus first met his disciples, he walks up to them and says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And he's in the boat with them as they caught this great load of fish. And Peter says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. But here's the difference now. Jesus isn't in the boat. They don't even recognize him until he's in their presence with them on the shore. And this is Jesus' way of saying to them, even when you don't sense my presence, even when you don't see me physically, even if I'm not physically sensed by you in any way, I still want you to know and I want you to do my work in the world, and I can still help you do it. Therefore, what we have in this is a picture of what the church should be. It's a specific calling. We are to be fishers of men. Now, I know when you hear that, you think convert people, right? Do evangelism. Well, it is that. And, it, and I'm not saying it means less than that, but it's actually more than that. Fishing is kingdom language, and fishing is bringing the fish from one realm to another, the realm of the sea into the realm of the kingdom of the Lord, all right? Remember, in the ancient world, that people viewed things symbolically. The sea was viewed as a place of chaos, a place of death, disorder cold, dark. 
Paul cites in Colossians, he says, we're translated from the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of his dear son. That's the way the ancients viewed things symbolically. So it means more than just you get forgiven. Oh, yes, absolutely. Your sins are totally forgiven in Christ. But it means you come under a new rule, a new Lord, and a new kingdom. And a kingdom has a structure with it. And Jesus is saying, I want you to be part of the community of the king. I don't want you somehow just to bring people into personal relationship with me. I want you to bring people into the kingdom where my reign and rule exists. Well, you say, how do we do that? What's a kingdom? Well, I could have chosen a number of passages to illustrate Jesus' kingdom. But I thought myself, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 says, my kingdom, you are a city set on a hill, number one. So when you're a city, you know, he's saying that we are an alternate west shore of Cleveland. We're a different city than the city of Cleveland in the west shore. It's an alternate one. And we are related to one another and there are their brothers and sisters across the West Shore in such a way that we all are a city set on a hill under his reign and under his rule. You're a city like no other that the whole West Shore can see. And that we're going to be in an alternate West Shore means we're going to reflect demographically our community. And Christ Church, combined with all the other churches of our community, come together in such a way that no individual church can. We're an alternate West Shore, number one. Number two, inside the church, it's a people whose way of life is demonstrating the abundant life in Christ. How we use our money, how we use our sexuality, how we men and women treat one another, how the races treat one another. Because out in the world, their priorities are different. The races don't get along very well. The wealthy don't share their money with the poor. They're paternalistic. Out in the city, there are all kinds of things that are going wrong. So what does it mean to be the church? It doesn't mean we just come to a Sunday meeting. What we're supposed to do here is to give them a glimpse of the kingdom of God. What would a region look like when men and women treated each other as people created in the image of God rather than toys or objects? What would it mean if a region saw that the, the way we use our money, our status, our race, instead of the way our culture uses it? Jesus says, I'm king. That's what, you, that's what we must show them. And our mission is to draw out the other kingdom into this kingdom of our world. It doesn't mean just presenting a personal relationship. All we do that. But it means so much more. We're moving people from one realm to another. We're on a hill. And we're seen. And it's a place full of gospel people who have nothing in common with one another but the belief of this good news. You have Thomases and Nathaniels. Nathaniel, he's a superstitious person. He's a jump-to-a-conclusion person. You know, he was credulous. John chapter 1, 
He says, Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree. And how does Nathaniel respond? <gasps> You're the king of Israel. Does Jesus say good? No. He rebukes him. And he says, you believe because I said I saw you under the fig tree? Buddy, you're going to see a lot more than that. Follow me. Come on. On the other hand, our buddy Thomas, right? He's from Missouri. <laughs> Scott talked about him last week. We, we have a heart for Thomas, right, in the Anglican tradition. Because he is grieving, but we get it. But he says, prove it to me. Show me, right? He's a cynic. He wants to see it. See, out there in our neighborhoods, there's lots of Nathaniels and Thomases who never get along. But in the church, we do. Why? Because we trust in the good news of Jesus and we see past us. Peter's don't like John's out in the world. John's don't like Peter's in the world. Peter is impetuous, overreactive. John is a rationalist. He overthinks things, but he never gets anything done. But in the church, they get along. They love one another. And so, therefore, we work together to build a community that's a city on a hill. We're really, it's, it's a bunch of old fishermen is what we are. Here you begin to see it. Jesus is saying, I've called you to be a community in which my people get along outside of my lordship would never get along. I call you to be a community in which the world can see the way human society should be. If we're not that kind of community, if we're, if we're not being what God has called to be, what are we about? How are we doing in this? Really? See, the Bible calls us to be a community of the king, and you can't do it by yourself. It's done in community, as a city, with other Christians, beyond just a Sunday go-to-meeting. We do life together. We know one another. There's a structure to our relationship. There's a structure to our community. And so that's the first thing. Number one. We are called to be fishermen in a different city on a hill. Secondly, we also see how we, why we can't live into this in the diatribe between Jesus and Peter. If any of you have been around Christ Church for a while, I have preached on this passage about three or four different times, you know. And it always looks at how Jesus leads Peter to repentance and recommissions Peter. And... You know, that's a great idea, and I could have preached them on that again, but here I'm not looking at it this way, given all that we've been through here at Christ Church over these 11 years. I want us to see something a little different. Verse 15, when Jesus says, and then when they were done, when they had finished eating, Jesus didn't go off on one side. He didn't go off on another. Right there in front of all the disciples, all sitting there. So they were in earshot of this conversation. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? You know, do you love me more than these? Who are the these? Are they the nets? Are they the boats? Are they the fish? 
the bread? No. Do you love me more than these guys? Do you love me more than anybody? And he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, tend my sheep. Three times he does it. So what's he saying to us in this? I'll tell you what he's doing. He's saying to Peter, feed my lambs. If you want to have this, if you want to join Jesus on the mission of the world, if we want to change the world, we adopt being kingdom friends with one another and those outside, serving them like Jesus served us. Why do I bring that up? Well, Jesus appears on the beach, notice, in verse 5, and I changed it, you noticed. Right? Yeah, I couldn't help. Because the, the Greek word there, paideon, is, is where we get our word pediatrician, pediatrics, because that's the word children. It's an honest translation. But if you translate it literally, like the ESV does, it really doesn't make sense. Um. In the English, Jesus is on the beach, and he walks up and says, children. No, but all the commentaries agree that this is colloquial language. If we were in England, you would have heard, lads, have you caught any fish? If you had heard, been a teenager, it would have been, dudes, what'd you catch? You know? Or guys. It's incredible colloquial intimate language that Jesus shows up and he calls them in the most intimate, most colloquial way, friend. He's done this before. John 15 and the whole area there where he talks to them about being friends. I'm going to make you friends. I no longer call you master. We're now friends. And a good friend who always is one who lets you in, vulnerable, strives to never let you down. And when I think about my relationships with my best of friends, I think I'm not that bad at that. I bet you some of you are thinking I'm not that bad at that. But wait, Jesus says, feed my lambs. You know about sheep, right? Dick Lucas told a phenomenal story. And if you know anything about Dick Lucas, he's 99 years old, still has an office at St. Helens Bishopsgate in London because he was the rector there for 30 years, faithfully preaching the word. Revival broke out. And so he's in an honored position. But about 20, 30 years ago, he was invited to speak at an elite school on Long Island called Stony Brook School. Some of you know about that school. I'm talking kids who have polo ponies, Go to Stony Brook, all right? So they invite Dick Lucas because the headmaster's thinking, well, Dick can get him, you know? So they invite Dick Lucas to come and preach. Now, Dick Lucas is a bachelor, never married, never had children, obviously. And so he goes, and on the second day of his preaching tour of Stony Brook, the students are told if they wanted to see the preacher, they could sign up and talk to him about all their concerns and interests. Just sign up and talk to Mr. Lucas. And he was like, I don't think this is a good idea. You know? You know, 
he told them, you know, if you want to see a preacher, yeah, they told the kids, if you want to get out of class, you can go see the preacher. And, and he realized he was going to see very little kids all day. <laughs> and he goes, how shall I put this? I find children trying. So as he went through the morning, it was very, very difficult for him as the kids shared their torcuticle stories. One thing after another he thought was trivial, silly. Can you imagine this distinguished London, British, refined accent talking to little kids about their puppies, you know? You know, like, 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 like an American Valley girl, 13-year-old, talking to her about, you know, her boyfriend. You know, he doesn't even, you know, he, he thought to himself, don't roll your eyes, Dick. Just look at the clock. You'll get through this. So he got to noon, and he's realized he's not even halfway through these appointments. He had the whole afternoon so he sat down at lunchtime to read his Bible and landed on John 21. And Jesus said, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Not my lions. Not my Labrador retrievers. Not my thoroughbred horses. Feed my sheep. And Dick says... I was shaken. It first of all says feed them. It doesn't mean get in there to be fed. Feed them. You know? And he knows very well. And if you've ever been to Great Britain, it's just something that, that they pop out of the ground. Sheep. They're everywhere <laughs> in the countryside. When you go there, it is so true. And you know when you walk up to them it's not a Hallmark card, all right? They're ugly, they're dumb, they stink, they, it, they're awful animals, okay? I don't know what God was thinking, all right? You wish he said, I don't even like cats. A cat would be better. At least a cat will come up to you every now and then, right? Sheep never give you affection. And then Dick realized Feeding my lambs is not feeding that I choose, the type of people I hang around. I feed the people who I would never choose to be around. People are made in the image of God. And that's what devastated Dick Lucas that day. And that's what devastates me as I think about it. Do you go to the people who are unattractive to you? You go to people who are a different class, educational status, cut from a different political cloth than you are. Do you go to people who really don't make you feel cool to be around? Are you willing to go to lambs? I can't do it. You can't do it. And here's the reason. He says to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? See, Peter, up until the crucifixion, he was using Jesus. 
he was like those, you know, little, little middle school kids that get close to somebody who's really important not to get beat up, right? Don't mess with me. I know the boss, all right? I feel superior to everybody else. This is what Peter was doing. And Peter looked down his nose at other people because he was his own savior and there was a pride in his heart. He was using Jesus rather than serving Jesus. He wasn't transparent with Jesus. He wasn't even transparent with himself. And Jesus says, Peter, the lambs are exposing you. You're never going to be a kingdom friend to others on this whole facade of your life. Feed my sheep. And we can't. But then we see in this whole passage how we can in him. How can that happen? He turns to Peter and says, someday you will stretch out your hands and go someplace you don't want to go. And then he says, follow me. Well, what does that mean? Well, John tells us this is the type of death he's going to have. Peter's going to be crucified. If you're ever going to be a kingdom friend, you need to show the kingdom to your friends. He's saying to Peter. What does follow me mean? It means die to yourself and follow him like Jesus died for us. Because he loved us that way on the cross. We, we go for the lambs of our life. We go out there. We don't use people. But how would you be absolutely sure that we could love others like this? Well, because Jesus loved us like this. Jesus says, look at me. I'm the only friend who is totally vulnerable with you. I'm the only friend who will let you in. And I stretched out my hands upon the cross and were nailed. That's about as vulnerable as it gets. And when Jesus went to the cross, even though in the Garden of Eden, God came to him and said, either you'll go to hell or they'll be lost. Choose. Jesus chose, I'll go to hell for them. Jesus says, I'm the only friend who lets you all the way in, and I'm the only friend who will never, ever, 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 ever let you down. And only when he becomes our friend as our Lord like this, will you be freed from the self-salvation, from the need to fill up that hole the way Peter was doing, and go join the Lord at the work that he's doing around you, being a friend to those around you, a true friend. So if you're a true friend to about 10 people in this church and beyond, opening up unconditionally, being vulnerable with people, and if we're very, very friendly because we have a great friend in Christ, we'll build the community of the king. We really will. Well, how do you do that? Well, number one, feast with him. Eat the fish for breakfast, for crying out loud. He says, sit down and eat with me. Of course, in Revelation 3, Jesus says, I'm knocking, standing at the door and knock. If anyone will come to me, I will open the door and I will fellowship him and eat with him. See, we won't be part of building the kingdom unless we feast with him. You know, maybe you come to church and get inspired, but unless it becomes a living reality in your life, through spending a little time in the Word, in prayer, 
in worship, unless you find the Lord becoming real to you in the Lord's Supper, unless you find it real to you in corporate prayer, unless you find it real to you in your true experience, you're going to continue to use people in your friendships. You won't be part of building the kingdom. So the first thing is feast with him through his word in prayer. Second thing, fail with him. <laughs> Notice Jesus says three times, do you love me? You know, Jesus is recalling the denials three that Jesus, Peter denied him three times. You know, every time Peter says, I know. Peter, you failed me. Peter doesn't say, why are you doing this to me? No, Peter says, yeah, I know, I know. And every time Jesus says, you failed me, Peter doesn't stay quiet. He doesn't say, why are you bringing this up again? He doesn't say, I couldn't help it, Lord. He comes back and says, yeah, I know, but I still want to love you. Yeah, I know I failed you. So Jesus says, feed my lambs. What's the relationship between feed my lambs and you're a failure? Yeah, Lord, I know, I know I'm a failure, but you're in charge. You're my Lord. I love you. And that's what Jesus is saying. The word feed, by the way, the second time is the word for shepherd. It's the word poimano. It's the word pastor. Three times, every time Jesus says you failed, and Peter essentially doesn't get mad, but says, yeah, but I still want to love you. I still love you. I still just want to come to you. And Jesus says, you get it. You got it. Now you're qualified. See, if you fail and Jesus Christ is your boss, you're trying to live up to what, so you can feel superior to others. In other words, you're a religious person, but you don't understand the good news. Failure will make you haughty or put you in despair, but it will not make you more loving. It will not make you more free in your relationship. But when Jesus is Lord, and you fail, and you will, fail with me, he says, and let the good news show you that you're more indebted to me than ever, and you're more loved than you ever thought. So you feast with him, you fail with him, and then you swim to him. Okay? Run, don't walk. Today, go to Jesus. When Peter comes to Jesus and says, oh, I'm going to die, huh? Um, I'm going to be crucified, huh? Then he looks at the young buck, John, this, the beloved disciple. There's a rivalry between these two guys that's really quite fun, you know. He goes, well, what about him? You know, it's rather comical, you know. Here's Peter, probably in his early 30s, pointing at the 18-year-old. Oh, yeah, but what about him? <laughs> it, what does Jesus say? He says what Aslan says in Narnia Tales, says several times to other people. I only tell you your story. I don't tell you anybody else's. And when we keep that perspective, friends, 
it will make you a kingdom friend. First, you'll realize that Jesus Christ has a plan for that person that you're befriending. You, you don't know it, and you don't need to know it. So you're not going to be able to sit in judgment on that person very well, are you? That's not our job. We're going to treat that person as someone on a journey, someone on a path. And you're going to try your very best to help that person on the path. But you're not going to say, oh, I know what your path is. I know what you're doing wrong. <laughs> I know what you're doing right. No. No, if you're a kingdom friend, you feast with him, you fail with him, and you follow him and get to know your story, and you swim to him. Uh, it's really quite funny, you know. Jesus, you know, says, you know, he's just standing on the shore. They don't recognize him. John says, it's the Lord. So Peter puts on his coat. That's weird. You put on your coat to jump in the water. I don't know that Peter understands what he's doing here. Um, but what he did do for the very first time, he gets to Jesus as fast as he can. As close as possible. Something's happened in him. Between the first time when he says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, to now. He, all he wants to do is to get to him as fast as he can. And so therefore, some of you perhaps this morning are gathered here or online. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't believe in Jesus in the way you're speaking. May I suggest, just come walk as a failing kingdom disciple with us. Because <laughs> we're all he's got. Fail with him, and you'll be something great. Feast with him, follow him, and swim as fast as you can. And as we live this way, he'll make you his friend and he'll make you everybody else's friend as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we come to you this morning and we just ask you to forgive us for, for not being this kind of church. But yet we also thank you that you understand why it's so hard for us to be this kind of church. And we thank you that in Jesus Christ we can be this kind of church. And be, be a community of the king, but not snotty, not lofty. Help us to be true friends to one another and others as you give us opportunity. Help us to be transparent with others, committed to others, unconditionally loving with others, vulnerable for people, without being choosy about it. Help us to be all those things because we see Jesus Christ really was our true friend on the cross. His arms were stretched out on the hard wood of the cross, and he led us all the way in. And he won't let us down. And Holy Spirit, help us to be so moved and changed by that reality so that we can truly be the church. And that someday we really can say, I believe in the church because I believe in Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.